welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Welcome to episode 80 of the Proper Mental Podcast. And yes, you heard that right, episode 80. What a cool landmark to hit 80 episodes. 80 open and honest conversations about mental health. Look at that. Huh? Who would have thought? I think I'm good to about episode 90. I've got a, at least another 10 on my um, on my hard drive, so no stopping now. But I would like to say a huge thank you because I only got to 80 episodes because people are listening. And whether you've listened to all 79 up until this point, whether you pick and choose or whether this is your first one, just thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support. It's really, really appreciated. And my guest for episode 80 is SK Shlomo, who is an award-winning beatboxer, a DJ and a theatre maker. Shlomo is a classically trained percussionist who started drumming at the age of eight and discovered the art of beatboxing in their teens. They'd go on to win countless competitions and awards and would become known for their groundbreaking and original beatboxing techniques before crossing over to mainstream attention with a collaboration with Bjork. And that collaboration was actually used at the opening ceremony of the 2004 Athens Olympics and was heard by 3.9 billion people, if you can get your head around those numbers. And Shlomo then spent years travelling the world, performing their own music and working with a, a who's who in the music industry. Just to give you some names here, just from Wikipedia, Ed Sheeran, DJ Yoda, Jarvis Cocker, Rudimental, Damon Alburn. The list goes on and on and on. It's incredible. And they've played at Glastonbury every year since 2006. But it was only when Shlomo took a break from all that that they started to experience issues with their mental health that would eventually lead to depression and suicidal thoughts and a diagnosis of PTSD. We talk about that journey. We talk about it more for context for the episode. So if you would like to know a bit more about that story and get into a bit more detail, I'd highly recommend Shlomo's TED Talk. It's called How Social Media Saved Me From Suicides. It's a wonderful watch. And as Shlomo kind of tells this story, they just build up all these loops and beats and puts together this massive this massive tune, this big wall of sound while they're telling that story. And it's, it's really powerful and I highly recommend it. And it was just wonderful to talk to Shlomo. It really was a pleasure this episode. Towards the end, Shlomo says that they're, they're no longer dealing with surface level conversations, that they're all about the deep stuff. And that just couldn't be more true. Within about a minute of me pressing record, we were in it straight into all the deep stuff and we cover so much ground. It's a very open conversation. It's a very deep conversation. And it was a real privilege to be a part of. We talk about acceptance. We talk about negative self-talk, positive affirmation. We talk about being vulnerable, living authentically. And we cover some real some real big topics. I think Shlomo's been on a journey these last couple of years, a journey of self-discovery. And yeah, like I said, it was a privilege to um, to hear all about it. It was, it was inspiring and, and it was beautiful. There's a couple of moments when Shlomo was talking during his chat and I could feel my, my heart rate raising while they were talking. It, it was really powerful stuff. I can't wait for you to hear it. We talk a lot about Shlomo's new show. It's called Breathe. It's on over the summer and it's a play that turns into a rave. Definitely go and watch the um, the promo advert for it because that in itself is powerful. You can get tickets now. It's at the Royal Albert Hall 
and it's up at the Edinburgh Fringe. And Shlomo is doing various bits all over the summer festivals as well, if you want to check that out. And you can follow all of that stuff at SK Shlomo on all social media channels. As ever, if you'd like to catch up with me, propermentalpodcast.com, you can email me through the Connect page, or you can track me down at Proper Mental Podcast on pretty much all social media platforms. You can support the podcast by buying me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash propermental. And if you could take a minute to like, review, subscribe, screenshot, tag me in it, tag Shlomo in it, help me spread the word, it would be very much appreciated. Grab a brew and strap yourself in because you're in for a treat. This is episode 80 of the Proper Mental Podcast with SK Shlomo. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest this week is SK Shlomo. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for um, having me. It looks from your social media uh, like you're deep in rehearsals at the moment, Shlomo. You're busy, busy at the moment. Yeah, it's oh, it's chaotic. Like um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do the most sort of ambitious solo show uh, of my career so far. And it's like, yeah, that we're opening really, really soon. It's at the actual Royal Albert Hall. Uh, like wow. every, I feel like everyone's watching and uh, I am just not ready. But that's quite normal for me. So I'm trying to just lots of deep breaths. Yeah, yeah. Seems to be a, a running theme at the moment with with you is is the breathing. But um, <laughs> yeah. let, let's start there. Let's jump in straight in in with that show. So, what's um, what have you got planned? What what is it that you're working on? Well, the show's called Breathe, uh, and it's a play that becomes a rave. Um, and it's I'm just so excited about it. It's a, it's quite a deep piece. Like it talks about um, it tells the true story of how uh, I had a real breakdown with my mental health. Uh, and in the show, we really get you know we really get deep with it like there's a there's 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 lots of discomfort in the show um but then it tells the true story of how um i realized that if i was going to recover i was going to need to stop isolating myself uh and in the story you know this is what happened to me in my life i'd moved to a new area um i had felt like uh i was weird and that everyone around me would judge me and that they couldn't really know who i really was so i was like hiding and masking who i was um and i got more and more isolated um and so the the show gets to tell this joyous story of how as i realized that the people around me weren't monsters and that they'd actually hold me if i just shared with them how i really felt and how vulnerable i really felt um uh it turned out that they were just like me they're just ravers just like me um and we ended up having this like mad sort of impromptu rave in my village living room when I wasn't really well enough to kind of go out like go out raving so they came to me uh and it was just it was one of the best nights of my life and it really was a big turning point in my whole recovery and then during this show we get to actually recreate that moment because I kind of I take the crowd through the, the, all that pain and all that kind of oh they really feel for me they really hold want to hold me and then I'm like look I'm still fucking here I'm still alive would you please just help me celebrate and then it's just like this massive release and everyone gets to stand up and abandon their chairs and just come come down and rave so I'm just really excited about it <laughs> wow yeah I mean yeah I can understand why you'd be so excited that sounds in incredible that's um yeah that's amazing the the all the the imagery around some of the promo stuff that's been coming out is so striking like it's oh, really you. attention grabbing it looks incredible um yeah it looks like very very 
exciting stuff yeah is it is that's that must be like if the show's kind of about coming out and being vulnerable and and you know letting people in well this is like next level right taking it to yeah. the royal albert hall that's like was uh you know that must have been a big decision to go small time to big time almost yeah i mean it's it's um i don't know like the albert hall I still can't quite believe I get to say those words out loud, but they've just been really supportive of the whole thing. Like I've done, I've done loads of shows there over the years, um, and I've got another show that's that you know that I tour all the time, which is my beatboxing for kids show, which is so much fun, big family show. I uh, love that because you get like the grown ups basically pushing their kids through the door, and <laughs> it's really really fun. And so we've done that at the Albert Hall a bunch of times, and it always sells out, and it's always a lovely vibe. And then you know while I was there, I was like, look, I've got this idea for this thing, and you know it's a bit different. It's kind of because it is a play that becomes a rave. I feel like it's kind of trying to straddle two worlds, uh, which is a, an ambitious thing to do and kind of a risky thing to do. But they were just right behind it. They were like, no, nah, we really want to we really want to help you grow this and develop this. So they've been amazing, um, you know, and, and, and it's taken a long time like that. We were originally I was going to be doing this show in 2020. Like I was in the middle of like getting it ready when the pandemic started. Um, and you know in, in fact the the fact that it's now two years later has has meant the show's just got so much deeper because in that time i feel like my identity has transformed um and i've been able to put all of that kind of into this show like if i'd have done it in 2020 i think it would have been much more of a shallow piece um whereas this now it goes deep it goes really deep <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's almost as if is it like things are happening almost in the in the moment and you're able to put that straight into the into the work sort of as it as it happens that's it man i feel like um a lot of artists say this but like when you have a platform to be yourself and be creative like that is therapeutic like that i genuinely think that is the way out of um a lot of mental health problems and a lot of pain um you know, I'm 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 not saying that you know medicine doesn't have a place in it too, but but I feel like for me and a lot of people who I've been very very close to who have struggled with mental health, creating a space to allow yourself to just be whoever you are, even if whoever you are in that moment is completely broken and completely like hopeless, um, having like a space where you can just be that um, and 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 not judge yourself for it is really important and, and I feel like for me anyway and for a lot of other people like creativity making shit like telling a story writing it down writing a poem writing a song cooking some food I don't know there's a million ways you can express like the pain that you've been through uh, and to me that's kind of what what this is all about yeah it's a really powerful thing there are certain themes the more people I speak to on this project you know there's certain things just keep coming back up and mm. they come up in different ways and they come from different angles and there's different situations but there is like themes start to appear throughout and there's so much about creativity and being able to kind of access who we really are and express that through um, different ways and I think in modern society creativity kind of like people try and put creativity in boxes which is completely mm. like against the what it's supposed to be right and it has to be either art music or i don't know painting yeah. and that's it that's that's what all is it? it is label it or it's not valid yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it but um yeah once you if you can tap into something else and start to express yourself through it it's incredibly liberating isn't it and it yeah to go back to breathing again it can buy you a little space to breathe when you don't feel like you've got that space yeah and like i i didn't really realize that is what i've been doing my whole life like i I got um, diagnosed with ADHD during the pandemic, uh, age 37. Um, and it's like severe ADHD, like, <laughs> like uh, to the point where 
I've I'm at, like now I've had almost a year of being more out with it and and not feeling like not feeling like I need to hide the the way that that affects me um I'm amazed at how I got so far how I've managed to survive but but kind of going back to what you were just saying like about creativity like I didn't know this as a child but there was a real genuine like cognitive reason why something like sitting in front of a drum kit or beatboxing you know that's how I first got known as a beatboxer it, it provides um, it, it it helped me feel okay and I didn't know why at the time but it just creates a kind of it grounds you it's very similar to taking a deep breath in that when there's a rhythm going like when you're listening to music that you love or there's just like a pulse to it or like I don't know a beat to it you know what's going to happen next and I think for people like me neurodiverse people like me un when the world feels unpredictable when the world feels like you can't control it that's when we start to feel unsafe and that's when we become vulnerable so like music and rhythm just creates like at least you feel what's going to come next at least you kind of know what the next step is going to be and that's so I end up like walking around beatboxing as a way to kind of soothe myself and, and stimulate, you know, keep my mind kind of stimulated in a way that felt safe for me. Uh, and then when other people started hearing that, they started like pushing me on the stage and pushing me on the mic. And I was loving it. Like, uh, I'm not going to lie. I, lo I loved it. I'm not going to imply that that wasn't my dream as well to, to be a performer. But but I think only now am I really understanding the real root of where that creativity came. And it was actually like survival. It was actually like to make myself feel safe. Yeah, that's incredible, really. I suppose with music, this sort of, um, with making any sort of music, there are rules to music, right? There is, mm. there is the music theory side of things and there is the, how things have to work, but you can take those and you can go to outer space with them, right? You can do absolutely anything. So that kind of mixture of, um, of a formula, but being able to express through that formula, it sounds like that really worked for you when you didn't even know that you needed it to work. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And like, it it gets kind of corrupted like you say I feel like uh, we're all born like we're all born as creatives like I don't know if you get a chance to hang around with small people like youngsters who have kind of still haven't lost that innocence yet but like I've got I've got um two kids and my youngest it's just an artist through and through like there's just artworks get created on mass like paintings get made like 10 paintings get made in a row, bang, 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 bang. Some of them are super ornate and detailed. Some of them are just smudges, uh, but none of them have any value. They're just like, they never get looked at again. They're just created in the moment because it feels good. And to me, like that's a really good role model. I feel like we're kind of born um, very creative, but not with an anxiety about what other people think of our creations. We're just doing it for ourselves, for our spirit and for our, because it feels right in the moment. Um, and then gradually it becomes judged and oh, you know, is that, you know, is that line straight or have you colored that improperly? And then we start worrying and we start squashing and we start masking how we really want to express ourselves until we become this strange, like squashed little hidden, I don't know, like fireball of shame. And it's it's awful. And, and, and to me, like a big thing about my self-care practice now is about trying to make sure I carve out time to just create just for me like so yeah I love these shows I do I love the work I do I I love being a professional musician it's just my actual dream come true uh but I I recently have been trying to like I I, I wanted to find ways to be creative just for the fun of it um that isn't you know no one else is expecting anything from like there's no commitment to it no obligation so I I I, I had to track down uh the the members of um a teenage 60s covers band that I used to play 
the drums in um and it took me a lot of energy to find them and, <laughs> yeah. and, and they were actually quite reluctant at first about the idea of like reuniting oh no i haven't got my oh my bass is broken or i haven't played in years da, 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 da. and i was like shut up you're coming round. <laughs> i'm buying myself a new drum i didn't have a drum kit i'm a drummer and i had no drum kit i'm like what is wrong with what, what has happened to me i like woke up like what has happened to me so i got myself a drum kit and i put in this date that we were going to have this reunion and then that kind of <laughs> That then evolved into a, a, another kind of fairly major living room raving situation. <laughs> but the idea of it was just like, I need to do this for me. Like, I, I, my dream is not to be a, a, a drummer in a 60s covers band. That's never going to become like my job. So if at any point anyone's not enjoying it anymore, we don't have to do it. So it stops being like pressured and obligated and just literally revolves around pleasure. And the minute I sat down and just and they started playing like the Jimi Hendrix, like uh, oh, what's that? a purple haze. And I just started bashing these drums and I was just like, yeah, this is it. This is life. Like, <laughs> Mate, that's really empowering. That's so lovely. I suppose it's like connecting back to that freedom that you watch in your children, right? It's the, like Literally. that. Yeah. Have you ever heard of The Artist's Way? Do you know what that is? I haven't, no. <gasps> okay, so this... <laughs> This has been like absolute catalyst in a, such a huge transformation that's happened to me in the last two years because uh, I went to a new therapist right during the pandemic, which I think a lot of people did. Uh, and this new therapist uh, treated me in a very, very different way to my previous therapist. First thing she did was hand me that. Well, the first thing she did was guide me towards the ADHD diagnosis. And then the next thing she did was hand me this book. It's called The Artist's Way by uh, Julia Cameron, who's like a super legendary Hollywood screenwriter, part of that kind of like whole Spielberg um, generation and Scorsese kind of generation. Anyway, so she's written this book ages ago called The Artist's Way. And my therapist gave me this, right? She's like, this is, ther this is therapy. And it's basically, um, it's an entire way of life. It's a 12 week course in creative recovery. That's how it describes itself. But it's basically like I've never, I've always rejected religion and I've always had a difficult time with things like spirituality because they just felt like I don't know, some kind of control, patriarchal control thing. But this is this makes so much more sense to me because the argument is that creativity is the meaning of life. It's basically why we're here. It's basically what makes us alive. It's what makes us, um, I don't know. And, and we're born with it. We're born with this creativity and it gradually gets squished out of us. Uh, and the artist way is this kind of course in how to how to stop tolerating that and pull yourself back to your root and your spirit and your breath and just make stuff just for you, just because it sets you alight, not because you're trying to like, you know, outdo anyone. And then as a result, the stuff you make is so much more likely to be successful if you're not trying to make it successful. Uh, and that changed my whole world. Honestly, this, this, this course I did, it changed my world. Um, in that time, I've uh, finally gone and got myself my own place where I feel safe here. Uh, I've built my studio here. I've um, I have bit felt safe to come out uh, as non-binary and talk about my gender in public. Uh, I have just turned a huge circle with my whole kind of mental health and, and my identity, and it all kind of stems back to this to this one this one book. It's changed my world. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. What a lovely, uh, what a lovely thing. It's nice to get some um, homework from therapy. That's actually quite, <laughs> quite nice rather than. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 
It was perfect. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. And you, you mentioned there, like, e- exploring more your gender over the last sort of couple of years. And mm. how how's that been slow to kind of, like, just step into yourself fully? Because I think, you know, I was talking about those themes that run through this podcast all the time. And another one is whenever, when we can't, when we can't live as we as we know we are you know when we can't be our authentic self then it, it it's hard work to get through society on someone else's terms right yeah and i feel like even like the way you said it then like we can't we feel like we can't step out and be our true self in front of others but i think actually the biggest step is to be able to do it in front of yourself <laughs> like we kind of gradually you know if if, if that theory goes that we start off as these pure children artists uh, who don't worry about other people and then gradually that what we're making gets criticized and then we start worrying about other people, gradually we start to squash and mask our true selves. But also, and I think this is the really key thing for me anyway, is that we start to adopt that that attitude, that that critical attitude uh, and, 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 and in our internal voice, our internal like monologue, the way we talk to ourselves, self-talk, I guess, becomes more and more critical and more and more negative. And, uh, and I don't know about you or about anyone listening to this, but I was a real, real bully. I was, my inner monologue was abusive, horrifically abusive, the way I treated myself, the way I spoke to myself. If I heard someone else speak like that, to someone else I would like intervene or call someone or do you know what I mean I'd I'd, I'd be worried for their safety that's that's how I was treating myself uh, horribly um so I feel like before you can even think about being able to step out into the world as your true self like for me there was so much work to do in undoing that like reprogramming that self-talk and kind of standing up because you're basically shouting at a child if if, if that kind of pure child who who creates creates things just for the joy of it uh is i don't know your inner child in a way it's kind of like this version of you who who never grew up inside and when and, and when you're criticizing yourself it's like you're shouting at a child um and i in the end i had to develop a whole series of ways of intervening against this like demon voice in my head to protect that little child uh, as if it was you know my one of my own children who who you know if someone spoke to my children like that, I would just step right in. So I started doing that. I started stepping in and saying, no, you do not get to speak to me like that. I am valid. I, like what I'm doing is beautiful. Like this is a beautiful human right here. And then once it took a long time, but once that kind of voice became the dominant one and the critical one kind of became, you know, it's, I'm not going to pretend I don't have it. We all have like self-critical voices, but it, it became less and less the dominant one. And, and, and once I could do that, I then was just felt much more safe to like, I don't know, just be around myself. I had been avoiding being by myself my whole life. I hated it. And and I had to do it a lot. Like as a touring artist, you know, I'd be like performing on a main stage at a festival in front of thousands of people all going crazy for me. And then literally like half an hour later, I would have been, you know, escorted off site on a, in a car and then just left in a hotel room and, 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 and just hear like the, ringing in my ears and that was actually a really vulnerable place to be when you can't bear yourself um i hated it and i was I, those were like some of the darkest times for me and i wouldn't tell anyone because you know in their eyes you're living the dream you know what i mean you've just played on you just played glastonbury like you can't complain about that shit so like learning to to look after yourself to the point where you actually enjoy being by yourself 
oh my god it changed me like just being able to like look in the mirror and like smile but not I don't know like I I really enjoy that solitude time now I kind of I crack myself up it sounds weird to say it out loud but like once I'd learned to just like appreciate myself then all these things like you know exploring who who I am in terms of gender or sexuality or or any kind of identity thing just becomes so much easier I don't think you can do that until you're ready to like be kind to yourself yeah that's it that's it it's something you know I say a lot is you can't have compassion for other people until you've got compassion for yourself it's almost that you have to kind of like learn this stuff practice it on you before you can give back to the to the world around you almost you know and um I really like that was ringing a lot of bells with me that story slow like you know I've I'm in the process of um trying to slow down my current like therapeutic homework is to spend mm. a little bit of time each day uh, mindless rather than mindful is how my mm. therapist put it and um it is hard right it's hard and the modern world is built for distraction like there's so much stuff we can do to avoid whatever it is that we're trying to avoid even if you don't know what it is you're trying to avoid mm. but you know it's like the subconscious brain is good at distracting us and i'd imagine the life of a touring musician it was it was probably easier to find those distractions than um than not yeah like my whole life had become one permanent distraction like i don't know like if people listening to this know much about my story but like i uh you know i as i as i entered young adulthood beatboxing was brand new in in, in this country and pretty much around the world like it was a really really micro culture um and i was really lucky just to arrive at the right time and to be one of the first people who got to do it on like national TV and got to play on those kind of big stages doing it. Um, and as a result, I, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, at a very young age, like I left home at 18 years old and went straight into touring. Um, and I just kind of had this like uh, whirlwind lifestyle throughout my whole adult life. But um, I don't know, there was this this constant, what started out as just being something for joy became this like constant attempt to um I, don't, I was trying to, I feel like I was trying to prove myself the whole time so I'd like you know like the first time I went to Glastonbury uh, I played there the first time in 2005 my mind was blown and I was like I want to play on that pyramid stage and I set myself a goal to perform on that pyramid stage I gave myself five years and I did it within three years so 2008 I performed on the pyramid stage but I, and this happened with so many of these like what should have been a dream come true i walked away from it um and just felt empty just felt like oh my god now i've got to outdo that there's literally not there isn't a way to outdo that like so i'd push myself and i was like breaking world records and i became world looping champion and i became the first beatboxer to perform uh, a concerto with a full orchestra at the fucking royal festival hall and all of these things that just on paper make you sound like a valid human but but I just couldn't accept that I was valid. None of the, and and it, it took that full breakdown that I had for me to really slow down and actually separate uh, my validity as a human being has nothing to do with uh, if I'm famous or, or if my show is sold out. Like, that doesn't actually make you valid. That, it's wonderful, but, but you're valid no matter what. Even when you feel awful or you feel guilty or you feel ashamed you're still a wonderful human being because you're breathing in and breathing back out and that's fucking incredible so like <laughs> i don't know like i say distraction like had become a, like a full-time job for me and uh you know trying to not look at the pain i was in 
just became harder and harder and harder and more and more and more all-consuming and that was horrible it was just like exhausting I was exhausted yeah yeah it's tiring and I think pretending you're okay when you're not is that's exhausting that's like that just drains the drains the tank right pretending you're something you're not pretending that everything okay when it's not there's it's a, it's a different type of energy right it's not the energy that you need to go for a run or to get up in the morning and do the school run or whatever it's that emotional energy oh that just God. kind of drains out of you it's exhausting and i am a i am done with it i will never pretend to be okay anymore i would just i would just call it and if the people i'm around can't cope with that they just don't get to be around me anymore um but the other thing i'm done with is watching other people do it so it, i i <laughs> i've started calling everything out so i call myself out all the time because i fuck up we're all humans we all get things wrong we all say things that upset people or that we didn't mean or that were judgmental we all do that it's fine like i call myself out um but i've started calling everyone else out if they're doing something that's inauthentic i give them an opportunity i say to them that doesn't feel comfortable like when you when you say that i feel i I don't feel right about it uh, do you want to talk about it? So I give them a platform to to be open with it, or I'll be vulnerable about my own situation. Like I'll tell them something about me that maybe uh, they weren't they wouldn't necessarily felt I felt safe to talk about about them. Um, so it gives them a chance to be real with me. But then if they can't, I'm done. <laughs> like I just haven't. I I don't know. Honest talk, real talk. I had a I had a real wobble uh, this time last summer. Like. Uh, and it wasn't like it wasn't the same as the i had a a much scarier suicidal episode like a couple of years before that and this wasn't that it wasn't suicidal but it was a wobble and it was enough for me to be like fuck i i need to i need to keep looking after myself um and it's basically i've got my two babies i've got my my two children that are just my world and i was like i am going to stay on this planet because I want to care for those two. And if I want to do that, I've got to care for this sort of third child, which is like <laughs> my inner child. And in that moment where I made that decision, like I'd, it, it was a really awful episode. I was sort of like, yeah, it, it was really, really hard. But in that moment, I was like, I don't have a single gram of energy left for um, for faking and for, for anyone who is going to fake around me. I just can't. And since that moment, my life changed so much like I I started all the people who I, I started with the people I really cared about like family uh, and close friends and for the first time I would tell people how it felt when they spoke to me in a certain way there was people who, who were really like very 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 close to me who I hadn't been able to see for a long time because of their 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 behaviors and I was able to go and say look when you do that it's not okay and that's why I haven't seen you could this possibly change and that started to go well like I was, wor- yeah, I was worried I was going to like finally lose people, but actually I hadn't. And then since then, oh my God, I don't feel like I've had a shallow conversation with a single person, like even like taxi drivers. It's just, it just gets deep, like straight away. And it's just, I don't know, I'm done. I'm just done with masking who I am. And I'm done with sitting here watching other people like diminish themselves. Like I can't, I don't have the space. I only have a few milligrams left of energy before I die and I just want to be here. So so just let's let's all just be real. If you're let's struggling, all just tell be real. me I'm here, I'll hold you. I've got energy to hold you. I haven't got energy to watch you pretend. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lovely way to put it. I think like often people need permission 
you know, mm. and to, we can grant that permission by just going first. You know, Absolutely. it's not like an official permission. It's just saying, right, this is this is me. This is my authentic self. And I'm going to step into this and I will create that space for you to fall into if you need to. And that's such a that. such a powerful thing, you know, and that's that's kind of like where I think mental health awareness needs to go right yeah. it's like not telling people to be aware and then just leaving them in this bit of awareness you know it's like unplugging someone from the matrix and just walking off you know but You're so right leading from the front right leading by example and I've, um you see things right and you think maybe i could do that maybe i could do that I absolutely agree with you. I hear everything you're saying there, man. I've got quite a lot of issues with the way that uh, mental health awareness has been sort of jumped on because I, I do a lot of like talks. Um, I get asked to do a lot of talks for like, uh, you know, big organizations and companies and stuff because, uh, well, I did a TED talk about how I recovered from suicidal depression and, but I, I, I made the talk quite like musical and, and told the story through, through performance. Uh, and then as a result of that, I've been asked to do a lot of talks about mental health and I feel a little bit like there's this sort of culture where uh, organizations will jump on it like, oh, yeah, cool, mental health. Yeah, we need to do that. Uh, cool. Let's just do that. Cool. Get this person to come and do a talk. Done. I'm like, no, 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 like, and there's this other thing as well where mental health awareness, um, sometimes there's this sort of language where you've got to, like, check on people. Uh, and that, I think, can be quite intimidating. Like, uh, I just think that's the opposite of what you should do. You shouldn't go and push about someone else if you're and I get asked this a lot like during those talks and and during my my role as a mental health campaign like oh how do I support someone who I'm worried about I'm like well don't go and probe them just don't when you're feeling vulnerable if you haven't opened up to someone and they come at you it is the worst it is the worst if you're already feeling down and like you're not safe to share who you are and someone starts questioning your answer to them telling you that you don't really want to talk about it that isn't going to work that's just going to leave it make it less and less safe for that person so what i say is exactly what you just said right create the space where vulnerability is okay so you can go and tell them how you feel what you're going through what worries you if you're anxious if you've struggled with depression if you're i don't know and, and often i get this thing where people are like oh i didn't want to like uh you know i, I didn't want to tell you uh, how I was because I know you've got a lot going on and and you know and I'm like fuck if you can't share with me how you're feeling that makes me more isolated if you can lean on me I'll, I will be boundary I'll tell you if I'm not in a place to hold it for you but if if you do it just teaches me that then I can then do the same with you Anyway, it's absolutely key, especially with the generation above mine, where just you weren't allowed to talk about feelings. You weren't al allowed to talk about vulnerability. Uh, and that was like, do you know what I mean? My mum my my came here from Israel. She didn't speak a, a word of English. Her parents um, escaped uh, uh, Iraq. The, all the Jews were exiled from Iraq. Like, uh, And on my father's side, my grandfather was a Jewish kid living in Germany and escaped the war. Like, so my grandparents are actual refugees that they, it was a different world. Like you couldn't show vulnerability in that space. You just had to literally keep moving, keep traveling. You're holding everything you own on your back. Like you, that isn't a time to be like, oh, I'm feeling a bit down. No, that is a time to just get your children into safety. And I swear that trauma gets handed down. It gets taught to us like, do, oh, don't cry. Boys, don't cry. Da, 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 da. And it's like, mm. 
we need to undo that now. We need to undo that and uh, help the youngsters who are looking at us know that it's okay to not be okay. Uh, and the only way that you can support someone who you care about is if you're gonna show them that you're safe to be vulnerable too. And that's by being vulnerable yourself. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose like I think we're like I think we're a similar age, Slow, and you know, mm. our generation is we're kind of learning on the job, right? Because this <laughs> yeah. these conversations, they didn't exist when I was like a teenager in the nineties. And no. now like now I'm just kind of like I don't know. I just want to have them all the time. And it, it's such a human thing to could uh, to connect on that deeper level to say, now, nah, man, we're not going to talk about the, you know, the weather and the football and all that. Let's get real. Let's get, let's get into it. And there's something so human and so healing about that, isn't it? You know, that, that deeper level of connection. Yeah. And like, I think it is changing though. Like, cause I do my shows, like I said, in my shows for young people. And then as part of that decision to like no longer fake who I was, I do in my show, I'm just really open. I talk about racism and how if you're gonna like during the show during that show so i do a show for kids and during that show that their their task is to become a superstar beatboxer by the end of the show and the first thing they have to do the first task i give them is to become an active anti-racist ally and it's beautiful like so many conversations have come up because of that where parents and kids have come up to me afterwards being like yeah like like we, we're gonna you're right we're gonna talk about this more and then and then i talk about my neurodiversity my disability i talk about my gender and um in a show that's about like beatboxing and you still get all the virtuosic beatboxing you still get a show but i've just put like all of myself into it and it's been so gorgeous like after the show i get like these cues of people coming up to see me i see these young people running up to me being like i've got adhd too like high-fiving me and their parents standing there and i'm like and i get a lot of their parents kind of worrying being like, oh, i'm very worried about my child because they've got you know severe neurodiversity or, or this or that um, but they seem to really, really love beatboxing. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your child's gonna be fine, you know why? You are here, you are worrying about them. Like you are protecting them in a way that my generation did not have. Like, I'm not worried about your child. They've just bounded up to me and showed me a bunch of beatboxing. They are, they have an, an outlet. They have, like, of course they're gonna need support. Of course their life is gonna be more tricky than others, but, but look where they are. I, I cry every time <laughs> this happens. Um, but I do think it's changing. Like, uh, yeah, mental health is being is being talked about in schools. Well-being is being taught to young people. Things like TikTok and just like spaces where information can be passed around uh, in a very very frank way. I don't know. Like when I when I came out to my two kids, uh, you know, as not being uh, the straight cis male that um, I'd previously been presenting as. Uh, they were like, oh, cool. And I'm like, um, and they were like, okay, cool. So what, what pronouns? I'm like, oh, uh, well, <laughs> how do you even know to ask me that? And um, I mean, I'm still using he, him, but like with certain, like uh, certain spaces and certain friends I've, I've been playing around with they, them. And then my kids are like, all right, cool. So they, them, then I'm like, oh, well, um, but I mean, I'm a bit worried about that because won't that like, you know, if you start saying, oh, my dad's gonna come pick me up there, they're often late. Um, doesn't that, isn't that gonna create awkwardness for like your friends? Cause then they're gonna ask questions. And my kids were like, no, why would they ask questions? So I'm gonna be like, oh, they're gonna, you're gonna have to explain what non-binary means and this and that. And, and my kids are like, well, no, they know what that is. And I'm like, what, how? <laughs> and they're like, oh, we learn about it in school. Like, I'm like, oh. That's so fucking awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. 
I don't know. Mate, it's it is different. It's that's different. a beautiful thing. That's such a beautiful story. And it like it is so much. Um, I don't know. It gives so much hope, doesn't it, for the future and how these things are going to change and how like the little people in our lives are going to make going to make all the difference. And I often think we can be really um, patronizing to kids, right? Because oh, it must be really hard to live in the world these days. And all, but that's their reality. That's the world they live in. And they mm. often like this stuff is not you know it's just it becomes the norm you know i've got small kids as well and they watch they watch tv shows where the main character has got brown skin or they watch tv shows where someone's got two dads and it's completely just normalized you know yeah. and it's um you know that's the that's that's how the game changes right over time it's um yeah it's yeah, a beautiful the horror thing is that that we didn't have that like um and i'm sure there's still horror happening now that in when, when their pet when they the net generation become parents they're like oh my god when we were kids this this and this didn't happen and now it does um so you know it's just progress but at least it's progress it's wonderful it's that's really, it really wonderful. man it's, it's i suppose it's like i don't know it's watching evolution unfold in front of our eyes and we have an awareness of, of evolution and like maybe we've never had that before right maybe human beings always like arrogant enough to think that we're done like evolution's mm. finished but mother nature ain't finished man like the, no. the the train keeps the train keeps rolling forward right it's, and um it, we're primitive we're just so hilariously primitive and the fact that we act like we aren't is just ironically hilarious <laughs> <laughs> oh mate well it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you today mate i um i love that immensely where can people find out about the show is it all on your all on your website and stuff like that yeah skshlomo.com or at skshlomo on all of the you know tiktoks instagrams facebook's youtube's twitter's all of that all the usual. Uh, shows at the albert hall i'm so excited 14th of june till the 19th of june and then i'm taking up to the edinburgh festival and i've got a whole festival season plan i'm going glastonbury i'm going lots of different festivals like i haven't done a festival season since uh before the pandemic um so i just i'm really excited got my tent i'm, <laughs> I'm ready ready to go i think this this coming summer's going to be like the new summer of love isn't it because everyone's been on hold for the last couple of years and we're just going to kind of go back to As it, it. Yeah. you hear like the you hear about the roaring 20s and the 1920s because they had their pandemic didn't they at the beginning of the 20s and then yeah. after that it was just like a absolute boom time so maybe that's what's about to happen yeah definitely yeah me and the family are going to um kendall calling and i saw that was on your list of dates so i'm going to bring the kids to your to your definitely. to your show i'd love to come and say hello Shai, oh, if you're uh, so if you're knocking fun. about yeah that'd be sick yeah, please come say hi afterwards i always do like a little signing afterwards so oh mate yeah come say hi oh, i will yeah i will oh mate thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate it and best of luck with everything and um yeah just thank you so much for your your openness and your and your honesty it's been um yeah it's been lovely and it's lovely to hear my pleasure. Big up to the proper mental podcast. A proper mental podcast. proper mental podcast please like and subscribe the space time